When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Off Tuckle Empire, Illinois and Nebraska are all tuckered out after being very tryhard and playing in week zero. Because you got to rise and grind. The Floyd of Rosedale game determines who gets the first wave of postcards Wisconsin sends from Indianapolis. And Michigan tries to back their way into number one contender status as the East race takes shape. Oh my God, just kidding. Ohio State's winning and more. This week on Off Tuckle Empire. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle. Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the only podcast on the entire internet that respects the Big Ten strengths of schedule. I just had a thought based on a note that you added to the Elsewhere in College Football Nation recap, and I want to jump straight to it, if I may. North Carolina Wake Forest was absolutely bonkers. I believe the final score was, what, 58-55 in regulation? And thanks to ABC, it took almost four and a half hours to finish that game, and I missed most of the first quarter Michigan State-Purdue. Anyway, I digress because the point I want to hit here is that this was a non-conference game. It's one of these setups that I think they've done this before, or if not them, then North Carolina and somebody else in the ACC, where they get so lonely and they they pine so so heartfelt for a, a conference opponent they haven't played in a couple of years because of the division thing that they just schedule them as a non-conference game. And I guess what I'm saying, Steve, Illinois doesn't have to end. It doesn't. You can just play, can just play it in week two. You up? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Ridiculous. we could do Illinutgers forever. <laughs> yeah. I, Plus, I mean, that like, means that hopefully, then we'd cut out the uh, the oh that random group of five team is having its best season in fucking history, just as we scheduled them. Amazing! That thing that always happens to us. Maybe we can <laughs> yeah, get rid of that game. Kent State, UTSA, or whoever. Oh, uh, yeah, um, UTSA. I mean, we got South Florida, the Quinton Flowers year. Yeah. How <laughs> about that? Um, elsewhere around the we, country, Arizona. We got Cincinnati when they were number five. Um, yeah. All right, 2009. Yeah. They've been good. I mean, look, Cincinnati's now becoming a program you shouldn't schedule. They're They're good. Yeah, often enough. But we also it's got them. Good. We also got Tommy Tuberville and uh, uh, beat his face in. Yeah, well, I mean, look, like Michigan State got Dan Lefevre, Antonio Brown, Central Michigan. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. sometimes shit happens, you know. Um, elsewhere in the non or in the uh, in the rest of college football nation, Arizona Wildcats getting off a twenty game losing streak by beating Cal and the Cal Bears. Managed 122 yards of offense. Oh my god! Against a team that has that it was on a 20 game losing streak. What the? Hell? It just goes to show you that it really Northwestern's losing streak from you know about 40 years ago. Really, it, it's like Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak. Like no one's ever going to approach it. No, nope. no. Like Arizona got more than halfway there, but it's just so hard to keep losing, and they yeah. got. Yeah, Cal is straight up haunted these days. There's oh, yeah. just nothing else to say. Powerful red box spirits in this game. Well, there was some stuff with COVID where they had a lot of players out with COVID that apparently could have been eligible because they had a bunch of negative tests like days before the game, but they were on the COVID <laughs> list in the first place. And there was some sort of back and forth between like the board of trustees where it ended up that they couldn't play in the game, even though they'd submitted negative tests. And a lot of people got really mad, but ultimately, you know, it helps to not get the people on the COVID list in the first place. And it helps to get more than 122 yards of offense against Arizona. Yeah, true. Um, Florida's going to fire Dan Mullen. Uh, they went out and got 
killed by South Carolina in the first year under Shane Beamer. So, hey, cool. Now that means that after my school hit a home run higher with their new head coach, uh, you know, breakthrough season in year two, now there are two blue chip SEC jobs that are going to be gunning for him. Cool, 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 Florida's doing this thing with Dan Mullen that, like, you know, is a much bigger version of what like Penn State did with that Minnesota offensive coordinator, where it's like, oh, hey, we 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 just take your guy from your breakout season, and we're done with him now. He does not amuse us. So Mississippi State was like, yeah, Mississippi State was like humming under Dan Mullen. They were, you know, having historic success for them, and Florida hired him away. And now it's just like, oh, okay. Well, uh, now he's outlived his usefulness. Then, where it's like, you know, had he stayed in in Starkville, uh, you know, would they continue to be a presence in the top twenty-five? I don't know because I think they're about to fall out. Although they do have a loss to Bama, that's gonna keep them in the playoff rankings. Yeah, because that five and three with no resume wins to speak of, they really deserve to be there in the first place. Um, Cincinnati's going to get dropped behind Notre Dame for only beating, was it Tulsa by eight points? Just, just watch that's going to happen. It's just a matter of whether it's now or the, like the two weeks from now, I think is when it's most likely before the last week games. Well, the Um, one thing that I know that has been consistent about the college football playoff committee is that their logic can change week to week. And then their explanation can directly contradict the logic that they used last week. Well, yeah, um, they so, set this precedent in 2014 when they decided the best way to solve the Big 12 issue was to just leave both TCU and Baylor out. <laughs> I, have to admit, I actually kind of love that. Speaking of TCU, they wore, and Baylor, in that game they played this week, TCU wore their blood squirting uniforms. Are you aware of these? Do you know about these? Oh, yeah. So for the application of those at home, TCU, of course, <laughs> their mascot is the Horned Frog. Normally, their color scheme, purple, black, sometimes silver or white. Horn frogs in real life are able to squirt blood out of their eyes as sort of a defense and repellent mechanism. And so once in a while, TCU will wear uniforms with red numbers. Um, I refer to them as the blood squirters. I'm sure they have a different branding for that. But in their well, and they also game, have like these red stripes on the helmets, too. Yeah, they're, they're pretty sweet. And in their first game under interim coach Jerry Kill, they pulled the upset on Baylor. I'm telling you, man, Jerry Kill's putting his spores into the vents. You're not going to be able to get him out of there. Whoever you hire next is going to be sabotaged. <laughs> yep, it's, it, it's exactly the script. That, I mean, because you called it, right? You said they were absolutely going to win their first game. Yes, and I didn't even know. I didn't think to look ahead to see that they were playing a top 15 team in Baylor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just 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 don't let him in the house. Just don't let him in the house. Yeah, and no, like just why? Like he, they're not gonna go. They're not gonna go undefeated the rest of the season. They'll probably. I'm not sure what their buy situation is, but I think they play the last three weeks. They'll probably go one and two. So two and two overall, including a big win over. I'm fairly sure TCU and Baylor still view each other as primary rivals. Um, you know, they kind of they hit their peak around the same time. You know, seven, eight, nine years ago. And anyway. Yeah, I just watch. He's he's gonna get to two and two. They'll probably win their bowl game, and there's gonna be like thirty five percent of the team that number that always troubles us uh, that wants him to stay and makes big problems for the success. Yeah, just watch. It's gonna be a mess. Um, elsewhere, Texas A and M beat Auburn, so they're gonna be the third SEC team that kind of lingers at like eight, nine, ten that everyone expects will take Alabama's bot spot in the playoff. If the tide should lose again, um, elsewhere, Mississippi state lost to Arkansas in a game where they missed three field goals in, I believe a six point margin at the a end, three point margin, a three point margin, even better. And now Mike Leach is holding open mid season trials for kicker. Uh, yeah. It's really, guess- really fun. It's really fun. And I'm glad it's happening. It makes me laugh. I'm glad it's not happening to my team because how do you go back to the scholarship kickers now? I mean, Oh yeah. None of those guys are ever going to kick for Mike Leach again. I, why, how would you, um, boy. Yeah. After the last couple of coaches that we had, I really, really want to make sure that my coach doesn't do thing, do, do things that is going to make any of the players, especially any important players go, man, fuck this clown. <laughs> uh, 
we saw one of the more lopsided games in terms of yards recently, Utah with an over plus 400 advantage in total yardage. And Stanford struggled to break even through the first half. 581 to 167 was the yardage total. Stanford beat Oregon, by the way. Uh, yeah, they, they beat Oregon. And I'll have you know, so my soon-to-be wife recently turned in her old lease and got a new lease vehicle, which means she has a free subscription to um, satellite radio. And so I've driven her car a couple times, and I don't have Sirius in my car. So when I drive her car, I'm like, oh, cool. I can listen to all the, you know, the satellite, like the, the college football exclusive station. That's pretty neat. Let me tune to that for a bit. And the last time I did it, it happened to be a day or two after that game happened. I think it was Rick Neuheisel was interviewing David Shaw, basically talking about him like it was, you know, 2013, 14, like they were winning 11 games and were about to go to the Orange Bowl because they pulled off the subset of Oregon. And so he brings him on and basically does this interview where he's like, here, let's shine your program for five minutes. Tell me about how you do everything right. Tell me about how your guys are, are super geniuses who are going to run Fortune 500 companies and also first round offensive linemen. Like, tell me everything good about Stanford. And so I did that. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes because I'm like, this team's going to be seven and five at the end of the year. Sure enough, they're on track for it. So, Wait, Stanford? Yeah. Uh, no, they're not. They're three and six right now. Oh, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, yeah. they're ass. Like somebody was talking about, about, you know, one of these teams, you know, like it would take like a losing at home to Illinois level catastrophe for, for, for them to not end up in the top four. And I pointed out Oregon had one. Dude, look at Stanford's record and tell me that you would definitely take them against Illinois. Maybe that's a continuing reputational thing where people assume that, yeah, they're not as good as they used to be, but they're at least still all right. Like, I think it's crazy. Think- okay. They've got a win. They, they fired Clay Helton. They have a win over USC, who's now four and five. Uh, and they have a win over Oregon and a win over Vanderbilt. And those are their only wins. They lost to UCLA. They lost to Arizona State. They lost at Wazoo. They lost to Washington, and they just got their doors blown off in epic fashion by Utah. Uh, and they they also lost to Kansas State um, in an absolutely miserable exhibition, which, of course, David Shaw really does like to lose a game just and look awful at the beginning of the season. The problem is they keep losing. They're three and six. They're sixth in the Pac-12 North. You know, depending on whether you count on whether you still count at Odron or not, and I don't know if you would, David Shaw is either the second or third highest paid coach in the country. Yeah, I, I did see that the other day. <laughs> That's uh, incredible. Just incredible. But well, yeah, I, you know, yeah, Oregon's loss continues to age very poorly. Oh, are you like not? Ex- yeah, not exactly like like Napa country wine. Um, it, but again. They're probably still going to be ahead of Ohio State because the Buckeyes failed to put Nebraska's head on a pike, I guess. Um, speaking of relevant. Oh, my God. They're going to do unspeakable things to Michigan if they're still outside the top four. Well, I mean, they won't be because this week MSU will base, will probably fall to eight or nine. They'll fall behind Michigan, just you watch. Um, you know what would be extremely cruel? If that. You know how they, they do this thing where it's like, you know, some their logic doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to not directly contradict their previous logic. Um, what if they like put Cincinnati three one week and then they put them back at like five and like <laughs> never put them back in. And it was just like, there's just no good explanation. It was just like, well, we really feel the body of work and Cincinnati continues to win. And then they get jumped. Like what if they just put them all the way up to like three or something, put them in. And then took yeah, them well, out. And then they just they just come out and explain, like, yeah, you know, we kind of thought body at work, but then it turns out like we were really looking very hard. And so we went into like a strict schedule. It's like, wow, maybe they're not that good. So we just we changed our minds on that. Um, I don't want to talk too much about the college football playoff because I understand that the point of the rankings is for you to fucking talk about them. Yeah, I guess, but it it's it was nice to dream again. I, <laughs> the, the 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 dream would have ended in two weeks anyway but it was nice while it lasted so yeah the wake forest thing was pretty legit it sucks they never got the respect they deserved no although in their case the question of who they beat in this year's acc is is a very real one yes and uh speaking of rankings lsu damn near got bama 
Is there any way they can move Alabama up and also still have Georgia ranked number one, though? Because that's that feels like what the reaction that's going to be for surviving a difficult SEC game, you know? Well, see, that's the thing, you know? That's what makes Bama so good is that even when they suck, they still win a game against a team that fired their coach for incompetence. A month ago. Two years <laughs> after winning a national title. <sighs> yeah. So that's where we are. And, I mean, there was also some tremendous action this week because we talked about Big Ten receiving numbers. Shit, man. <laughs> uh, Sorensen for Miami of Ohio had 283 as the younger Gabbert passed for 492. But then there's Rocky Lombardi throwing for 532 in a 52-47 loss to Kent State, 309 of them to Trayvon Rudolph. Yeah, so let me just ask you, let's just do a quick little thought exercise here, and then we'll get to the Big Ten slate for the week. How many Big Ten teams do you think would like to go into this offseason and bring in Rocky Lombardi to be their starting quarterback? Here, I'll give you his season-long stats, and granted, this last week is going to help them in a big way. But he also had an earlier game against Michigan that went very poorly for Northern Illinois that would have nerfed his stats. So keep all that in mind. Um, 1,853 passing yards on the season, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions, QBR 69.5, completes right around 58% of his passes, which is a little better than he did at MSU, but not radically so. How many teams in the Big Ten take that right now? I mean, you know where he's from, right? He's from Clive, Iowa. Clive, Iowa, yeah. I think Iowa considers it. I think Illinois considers it. How about this? 345 rushing yards, five touchdowns. Yeah, he's not – I mean, he's not – He's got a 64-yard rush on the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he can move a little bit. It's – I wouldn't say it's a strong point of his, but clearly Northern Illinois uses him in that capacity a bit more than Michigan State did, which is weird because when he was an underclassman, D'Antonio brought him in basically as a running quarterback, like you like Minnesota did with Seth Green. Like he came in and you knew it was going to be him on a keeper. And it was bizarre because it's like this guy's really not that good of a runner. I don't get what we're doing. But anyway, <laughs> now I'd say there's, no, I mean, clearly he starts at Rutgers. I would think he improves Illinois' football uh, quarterback situation. Although uh, maybe, so. maybe you're done with washout transfers from other Big Ten quarter, from other Big Ten programs. Um, yeah, I, I think Northwestern has to consider it. I think Iowa, For Minnesota, sure. fully half the Big Ten could use him as a starter next year. Gosh. Yeah, of course, tell me that he couldn't put up Heisman numbers on Ohio State. Well, sure, but there's probably... Yeah, um, no, he wouldn't get the job, but he probably could. No, there's probably 100 quarterbacks in the country who could do that, though. Um, okay, so anyway, that's... Just this is kind of a, a little statistical anomaly. I was I was happy that you pointed that out. So let's discuss then the slate for this week. We've got Maryland at Michigan State. And I put this as noon slate because when I put this together, I didn't have any of the times. So we're just going to go in order. So Maryland at Michigan State, something of a prove you can make some adjustments game against another potent passing offense that Michigan State sees in November. Maryland had no answer for Jahan Dotson last week. So there could be some plays there for the Michigan State offense to make as well. Sorry about that. Not clear if they're going to get Jalen Naylor or Jared Horst back, and they're not going to clarify that. So we're just not going to know until kickoff, which, of course, you and I won't be watching because what else is happening at 4 o'clock on Saturday? <laughs> oh, someone's getting married. Yeah, so next week I'm going to have – I'm going to have my peak off-tackle empire takes in that I will come in firing off opinions after actually not watching any of the games. It's going to be great. Speaker of I'm going to be streaming Rutgers, Indiana. You sicko. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, brother. Um, but yeah, there's going to be odds through the air here for Maryland, obviously. The good news here. I think is that, as you mentioned last week, the, the tendency over many years, many jobs now of Mike Loxley offenses to just fill up on the breadsticks of passing yards and then not be able to eat the steak of touchdowns. Um, it's a long trend. And so I'm hopeful the Michigan State gets back to how they have succeeded with this kind of bad pass defense all year, which is to find ways to keep Maryland out of the end zone 
They decidedly failed in doing that against Purdue, but Tonga Vailoa is not as good as O'Connell. Loxley's play calling, not as good as Brahms. And Maryland's defense, not nearly as good as Purdue's. So I feel pretty good about this game. But again, I felt all right last week too, so we'll see. MSU could easily lose this game. They've got the pass defense to lose to any quarterback worth his salt, and Tonga Vailoa is that. But he's only, he's kind of limited in what he can do because a lot of pressure will really disrupt him quite badly and they can't really run the ball to take that pressure off him. That's true. O'Connell's definitely better under pressure than Tonga Vailoa is. And they don't have, again, their play calling, I don't think adds an advantage for them the way that Purdue's does. So I would feel okay about MSU winning this game. The line I'm looking at here right now is MSU minus 13. Um, it's a home game. But they, there's one, they've only had a couple conference wins this year where they've had big margins. I'd probably take the points there. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to see how Michigan State's defense responds to this because it, it is a bit like Purdue in that they pass the ball a lot and they, they can't really run for much more than like, you know, two and a half yards per carry uh, on the best of days. So... I guess the difference is is just I don't think, like I said, Mike Loxley is anywhere near the play caller that Jeff Brom is. And I think if if you kind of stymie them initially, then they don't really have a whole lot of, you know, plan Bs to try as far as what their game plan is. Um, as far as the defense is concerned, I mean, they, they held up adequately to, to Penn State, except Jahan Dotson. Uh, they had no answers for, which to, to be fair, a lot of people don't. Yeah. I also like Michigan state's balance a hell of a lot more than Penn state's. Yes. Because Penn state was all Penn state, Maryland was a, a battle of more similar teams than you might think, except Penn state's defense was better, but their offense is very similar. They got big, they got big time playmaking receivers. Both of them did. And they can't run the ball. You know, Jahan Dotson has 71 receptions already this year. Wow. Yeah, that's nuts. You don't see those like that's a good that's a very good season in college football. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, given how much they throw him the ball and the opponents they have left, they, like he's probably going to have 12, 13 catches against Michigan State. So if you consider that he needs he needs merely pretty good games in their other two remaining matchups and he's got a hundred catches on the year. You don't see that in college football very much. Well, and, since especially, we're talking, in, especially power five. Since we're talking Penn state, let's talk about that one. Yeah. Penn State's going to host Michigan and it's going to be a noon game. Noon kickoff. Um, even line with Michigan. I'm sorry. A big noon on the road game, a big noon game. It, we will see it. It fits the big nude paradigm pretty well, but it's actually gonna be broadcast on ABC and, given that this is a big time matchup, I wonder if Penn state fired all their night game bullets already or something. Most schools have restrictions on how many you can play, especially I think later in the season, they tend to be frowned upon as well. Cause we don't have any night games in the conference this week. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, that's fine. We'll get, we're going to turn in early. So again, this is going to be interesting. And from the Michigan perspective, I know I'm at times I'm definitely guilty of, banging the same drum, beating the dead horse, you know, whatever you want to use as the metaphor there of repeating the same things. But I think they tend to be relevant observations. And does Michigan get back to throwing the ball at all? Or are they really going to try to just run the ball exclusively against Penn State on the road? Do I they need to throw the ball? Is the question? Yeah, I think they I mean, will. I think even without Mustafer, Penn State's run defense is still good enough that Michigan's not going to be able to make the yards they need on the ground. That being said, depending on Clifford's status, well, let me put it this way: the over/under in this game is forty-eight. I, that makes perfect sense to me. It's not the lowest line in the conference, of course, because well, you've seen some of the. Uh, in fact, there are three lines that are lower than that. For well, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's yeah, playing I, right, and so is Iowa. Well, you could say that again, there are so many teams you can say, and that's again, that's without Illinois playing this week. There is still well, Minnesota is playing Iowa. Yeah, that's one of them. And there's still two other games that have a line of lower than 48. 
So, yeah, the thing about Michigan and the, you know, being able to run the ball is like they're playing against a defense that may or may not have allowed over 360 rushing yards to Illinois, uh, who it's not so much that they were bad at it. It's just that they at no point even pretended to throw. Yeah, that's true. I do. As, as more time goes by, I wonder if it's going to become completely apparent that that Penn State did look past Illinois completely. Well, they did, was, and they were also surprised by the game plan. Illinois. I mean, Illinois put in a lot of stuff during that bye week that Penn State hadn't seen before. And when you do that to James Franklin, you tend to win games because they just, no matter who he has on his staff, they just don't seem to – they, they seem don't adjust to, well on the floor. Yeah, they, they seem to be much more of just keep doing the thing that we're good at doing and we're going to win, but they had no answers for the barge. Yeah, but it, honestly, at this point in the season, do you really think Jim Harbaugh's got... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Any new tendencies or play calling packages or anything left that he didn't roll out against Michigan State that, I mean, would do you really think that he held anything back after that game? I don't know. No, I think they're going to come out and they're going to try to run the ball 50 times. Um, they're going to try to pass it between 20 and 30 and hope that that's a winning formula. I, maybe it is. Cause again, like I said, it's, it's an even line with Michigan being the road team in a big environment. So that probably means Michigan is viewed as a slightly better team on paper. Well, you got to make yeah. sure that JJ McCarthy just gets like fucking 10 to 12 attempts at random over the course of the game. Um, why you have to make sure that that happens. I don't know, but you do. Oh, it's pretty, I think it's pretty clear why it has to happen. It has to happen so that he doesn't leave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That he doesn't become Justin Fields at, you know, Georgia or Alabama or whoever. Um, yeah, I think it's very obvious why they're doing that the way they are. I don't know if it's a good idea, but I understand. I, I get it. I mean, I do. Um, well, it's like, so- you know, okay, so so what? Is another highly recruited quarterback prospect going to leave Michigan? Oh, no, the horror. Like, it happens right. every <laughs> single year. Especially, you know, I, I understand wanting to hang on to a kid like McCarthy, but McNamara has been perfectly good when he's actually given the chance. And here's the thing. McNamara is a redshirt sophomore right now, but remember last year doesn't count. <laughs> he's yeah. got, he could, he could have three more years left after this one. Are you really going to keep this rolling with this same combination? This, this, you know, 70, 30 of snaps until the 2024 season is over. That's the plan. Cause it could be, that could happen. It's not likely, but it could happen. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is like, you know, do you think Cade McNamara is not going to have a future somewhere else? If he gets oh, no, pushed out of here. Yeah. I think he's shown enough. I get like, I don't think he steps in and starts at, you know, in Oklahoma or Ohio state or whatever, but probably three quarters of, uh, of FBS teams would be happy how, to have him. How would you compare his production at Michigan to say Brandon Peters at the same? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I think he's been head and shoulders above, but that might be a little bit with the bet with, you know, recency bias about what Peters has done at Illinois. Cause Peters had some similar games, similar stat lines to what McNamara has been allowed to do. I don't know if he ever had the kind of game that McNamara had against Michigan state while he was at Michigan. No, I mean, Peters was always like, you know, shows flashes, uh, McNamara has a lot more poise in the pocket uh, than Ben does. Like McNamara to me has more of the kind of, I don't want to say intangibles, but like that, that, that kind of stuff that's not really down to throwing mechanics. It's like, um, 
you know, the, the I guess the difference between him and Peters is, is, is pretty plain as far as uh, just the, 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 the confidence to step up in the pocket and make, you know, make tough throws over the middle. He's perfectly willing to do it. Um, he's perfectly serviceable and he's a gamer. Yeah. And that's, I think the last thing you throw in there, despite being something of a cliche, is probably the best way to put it, which is that they look better when he's out there than when other guys are out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, enough talking about that. We'll keep this moving. Um, how about Purdue at Ohio state? Well, possibility here that Purdue <laughs> can take down the number two, number three and number four teams in the same season. I think the problem with that here is that nobody's challenged Purdue's defense in the way that Ohio state is going to, although Michigan state does have a pretty good passing game, but it's not yeah. on the tier of Ohio state. It's, yeah. It's, it's the closest thing you'll see, but it's not as deep and it was miss- missing a one a in Jalen Naylor. Purdue, now, yeah. well, Purdue also did hold up to a pretty good passing offense in Notre Dame for a while. And then as the game went on, because Notre Dame's offense, or I'm sorry, Notre Dame's defense restricted Purdue, their their defense spent more time on the field and they wore down eventually. That was what I was hoping Michigan State was going to be able to do against them, was actually sustain some longer drives. But no, we did the same thing we have all season, which is we either score a touchdown or three and out. Um, David Bell, so, uh, you were talking about Jahan Dotson's stat line. David Bell has 64 receptions, but he's already over 1,000 yards. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, man, it's so weird. Isn't it so weird that at a time when it, it – I don't know that I can remember when there were more bad quarterbacking situations in the Big Ten, but that notwithstanding, there are, what, eight or nine receivers in this league right now that feel like surefire NFL players, if not you know standouts. I mean, David Bell is, to me, a much more complete receiver than Rondell Moore. Oh, hell yeah. He's not the same athlete that Moore was, but he's a much more technically sound player. Yes, no question. You have him, you have Dotson. Um, of course, you know, just about everybody that takes the field for Ohio State is almost certainly going to be an yeah, NFL guy. Guys, um, Olave, Wilson, um, probably not really anyone at Penn State now. Demas would have been on this list. I think Reed could be an NFL receiver. He's a little on the small side, and he's – that is the other thing is he had another bad, you know, drop last week. That was just a killer. And he's now, they had, he dropped a long one against Indiana that would have put the game away. Um, so that's been a little bit of a troubling thing. It's just a couple, but they're in big moments to be sure. Um, and then also, I mean, I think Samori Toure is going to be a really good NFL. Yeah. I was going to bring him up. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a deep group in the conference this year. I don't know how you're going to make the, call for the receiver of the year you're just going to put ohio state's depth chart up there like you do every single year well i guess but they take away from each other like none of those yeah wilson i mean especially with wilson now missing one game and not it's not really clear if he's going to play in this one even whether he's there or not smith and jigba is cutting into olave's numbers now none of those guys is going to have the same counting stats that dots and rebel will so purdue has I mean, in my opinion, really turned the corner this year as far as Jeff Brom is concerned. I mean, you could look at it and say that the uh, the Minnesota loss is perhaps a little bad, but uh, their resume is pretty good. Well, what is Minnesota now? Six and three? Yeah, that's, so a, is that's a good team. I, Purdue, yeah, I, Purdue is six and three. They could absolutely get to eight regular season wins this year. They play Northwestern and Indiana at home. Um, which... It would be massively disappointing if they don't. Like, they're probably not going to beat Ohio State, but we also said they're probably not going to beat Michigan State. They're probably not going to beat oh, I, or Iowa. Sorry. So it's not No, like... I didn't say that about Iowa. <laughs> yeah, well. Because Jeff Brom also... is super effective against Iowa. That's true. It... <laughs> Iowa is Gyarados, and Purdue hit him with Thunderbolt. Um so, yeah, I, I don't know that I see a path to victory here for Purdue realistically. Ohio State's defense has was leaky earlier in the season, but they've made major strides. Their, their defensive line in particular is starting to look more like its normal self. Um, Tyreek Smith, Haskell Garrett, Antoine Jackson had a big game a couple weeks ago against 
um, Penn State that I saw. So especially not their linebacker situations work itself out. Ronnie Heckman is a guy on that Buckeye defense that I don't think many people have heard the name of, but he racks up a ton of tackles. Secondary is very young. And we saw Jahan Dotson kind of get contained until he didn't. So I would expect Bell to have a big day. But as we always talk about with Ohio State, it's well, sooner or later, they're just going to open one of their bottles of lightning and, you know, hit you with a just they're going to have a couple of those plays right in a row. And can you steady yourself and prevent yourself from totally losing heart? Where, man, we were playing with them for so long. And then we had one miscue, boom, touchdown. Now they've got the ball again. Crap. We're going to fall behind and get blown out. Like, yep. It's, it's, it's a boss that has an instant kill type of technique or one that, you know, that makes you extremely vulnerable so that you're starting, you know, it's like you're starting over. I mean, you where the other thing is, as the game goes on, Ohio State has the ability to rotate more quality depth in than anybody on defense oh, as the yeah, game goes sure. along. For sure. So, so that just, it, it just if you were going to tell me that, you know, number two, Iowa, number three, MSU, um, and what, whatever Ohio State's going to be like, number, probably number four or three. Um, that Purdue would face those opponents, I would probably say that at Ohio State would be the one they'd be least least likely to win. Well, yeah, yeah, probably by so. miles, <laughs> probably so. Um, okay, uh, and for the edification of the gamblers, this is a Ohio State's giving twenty points in this one. That feels like a bit much, but when they get rolling, they get rolling. Um, I'd probably take the points there. Interesting game for the reasons we mentioned in the recap episode. Rutgers at Indiana. Hoosiers eliminated from bowl contention. Rutgers needs this game to have a realistic shot at a bowl. If they don't get it, then they have to beat Penn State on the road next week and then beat Maryland in the final weekend of the season. So Rutgers, you have to assume, is the much more motivated team here. I cannot imagine there's going to be much of a crowd for a noon kick for a 2-7 and seven home team, which is unfortunate given, again, we are, I, I, I was so wrong about the trajectory Indiana was on, but look, they're on their third, they're on their fourth string quarterback. Cause I, I went back and looked up and yeah, they had a redshirt freshman who tore his ACL and spring ball. Now their top two guys in front of him are out. So McCauley would have been their fourth option going into but, this. Look, if I told you, Hey, no, 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 no. You're going to turn out being wrong about Indiana's ascendancy to being a contender here. Then you would have been like, Oh shit. So they finished like six and six. Yeah, for sure. I this is it's gone far worse than we could have. And beyond the quarterback injuries, I mean, they've had enough injuries on defense that that unit's effectiveness has been reduced a little bit. And they have not helped themselves with the way they call this offense. You would not think that a guy of Nick Sheridan's age would be an absolute dinosaur in his offensive play calling, but he is. And I don't know if Tom Allen's going to make that adjustment or if they're going to change your philosophy or change personnel. But the way that this offense is built right now is not maximizing the talent they do have. So, I mean, I, I like Rutgers in this one. Um, they prove that they can go on the road and out tough a team. Yeah, uh, Indiana's given a touchdown. I, that feels like an easy, this feels like an easy call to take Rutgers there. Yeah. Indiana is, I mean, I think a little better than their record. You know, they were in there with Maryland, uh, had a shot to win that game. But I just, I just think Indiana has been through so much shit. Uh, and when well, here's the other thing for me, which is that again, yeah, Rutgers defense is perhaps not on the curve that I thought they were on any longer, but they're still pretty good. What is Indiana's path to scoring 24, 28 points against a conference opponent right now? Like, how do they do it? I, I have no this, idea. Is this the game where they established the run with an offensive line that hasn't been very good at run blocking? I don't think so. The way that Rutgers contained Illinois' running game a couple of weeks ago, they've shown they're capable of restraining some of the you know middle to you know kind of the average run games in the conference. They couldn't stand up to Wisconsin, but Indiana is not Wisconsin on the ground, and there's certain I, there's nothing so far that seems to indicate that McCulley is about that the lights about to come on for him, and that's totally fine. True freshman, only a couple starts in, plenty of time left for him. But it's not like there's any indication that, oh, he's about to become Terrell Pryor or something. Realize that through six conference games, 
half of the 70 points that Indiana has scored in those conference games were against Maryland. Yeah. And then, and even that was a game that they lost. So uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but then again, if we're going by points scored in conference games, Nebraska scored the second most points in conference games, second only to Ohio state. Yeah. Figure that out. (laughs) Although that game against Northwestern presumably helps there. So I, look, about all I've got left to tell Hoosier fans is I can I can unsarcastically say, by the time this game happens, we'll be in basketball season. So you've got that. Um, all right. Another game that uh, here's a game that I don't think we're going to be spending a whole lot on. Here. Oh, by the way, so again, we're talking about these these totals, the over unders, the one for Rutgers, Indiana, forty three and a half. Um, boy. Oh my God, I'm hammering that under. Yeah. Well. Now consider this one. The only temptation here is that Wisconsin might get to it by themselves. How about an over-under of 41 as Northwestern comes to Camp Randall? Bad yeah, I it. actually I don't like that one at all. I'm I'm thinking about the over because of because of two games, Wisconsin Rutgers and Nebraska Northwestern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Wisconsin's given 24 points in this. Which tells you that if you're going to get an over there, Wisconsin's going to be doing the lifting. Um, Northwestern could find themselves ruled out of a bowl game here as well, three and six on the season. Uh, I th- look, this should be. You want to talk about a matchup that plays into your preferred game plan for Wisconsin? Like, hell yeah, run the ball three quarters of the time. You're in control in the West now. I know I brought I brought up these big picture questions of don't you want to throw the ball more? Don't you want to? try to be the best team you can be. I suppose there's an argument to be made that you're going to be able to work that stuff in pretty early on, right? I just don't really know how Iowa managed to win the turnover battle three to nothing and beat Northwestern by five. <laughs> it's it's really remarkable. Um, I don't think Wisconsin has those same problems. I think that their running game has been much more consistent. And I think that they have a much better ability to create explosive plays. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but because you brought up Iowa, I can't I can't wait any longer. I know we're giving kind of short shrift to that preview, but I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, regardless of who Northwestern puts they're out gonna, there, they're gonna they're gonna lose so that they can get to. I mean, they're basically gonna lose out, and then I'm gonna be so mad. I'm gonna be so mad. I'm gonna be so fucking mad if we go on the road and beat Iowa and then lose to Northwestern. Oh my god, I'm gonna be just furious and then lose to a three and eight Northwestern team. <laughs> I think we're more likely to beat Iowa than Northwestern. Not even joking. Hmm. I look, I guess I understand the relationship those two that your two schools have had recently, but based on the results on the field, there's really no reason to think that's the case this year. Um, I understand that that's probably still going to happen though. I do. I do. I get it. Like I said, I, I get it, but we brought up Iowa and that brings us, I, I submit to you, my dear podcast partner, that Floyd of Rosedale, is for the first time in my memory also the sicko's game of the week. What, what <laughs> yeah. say you? Well, I mean, what is the over under here? Thirty seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yes. <laughs> oh boy! Yes. I mean, I, I again, I I was a big believer in Minnesota's offense and and especially their offensive line. I thought if anything was going to slow them down, it was going to be, okay, you got a freshman running back or you're an inexperienced running back against a defense that likes to punch the ball out. Maybe they turn it over that way. And and it's not what happened at all. The offensive line just got out, just got, you know, totally manhandled. It was, it was, it was bizarre. Given the way these teams both want to play, it's a two 30 central time kick. It will nonetheless be over before dark. Uh, (laughs) This is going to be a quick one. I man. Yeah. Third, this is probably the toughest over underline of all of them. I mean, there are a couple of these others where it's like, man, that's a really low total. Um, I, how do you I get for one here? appreciate you get I for one appreciate the fact that Minnesota at least values our time and they understand that some of us we need we can't be spending all day at the football game. We've yeah, got you gotta we, be yeah, it's getting colder outside. It's getting darker earlier. You know, you, you score points, you win the football game. That's fine. It's well and dandy, but 
As long as you don't keep us up past our bedtime, that's really all that I want out of Big Ten football at Iowa. That's, that's the way we do things here. And uh, Bedtime's a crisp 7.20 p.m. Absolutely. You know, nothing good happens after 8 o'clock. That's when all, you know, any sort of a good Christian American knows that, you know, you, you, only sin is going to happen past the hours of 8 p.m. Uh, the only other thing that can happen is that uh, kinetic magic. But even that's a little, that's a little more occult than I really like things. Um, you know, I, I, for one, completely support the ban on Harry Potter and uh, all of that sort of uh, occult nonsense. I don't think, I think that ought to be kept out of our schools. You want it for school board? I thought, I forgot we've got to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. How could I not? you think about the things that they're teaching our children these days um, such as how to throw a football it's disgusting and I, i'm glad that you're going to put a stop to it speaking of disgusting we're going to they're not going to learn anything if i've got my way this is america you want to learn things go pay someone <laughs> Uh, I thought we were going to have the runtime under control, but then Iowa got involved. So that'll bring us to a quick turn around the rest of the country. Um, number 13 is a secret for us, so I'm just sticking it in there for our mutual reference, but I'm not going to bring anything up about it right now. Oh UNC, UNC Pitt, as the ACC continues its season-long rebrand into the Big 12, including the total lack of a viable playoff contender. Um, you can also consider Oklahoma Baylor, even though the Bears, by virtue of losing to Jerry Kill, are now out of playoff contention themselves. That's very much a game Oklahoma could lose, and that would probably knock the Big 12 out. That being said, I mean, Oklahoma's got to be just fucking beside themselves right now with all these Big 12 teams continuing to rack up loss after loss. It's just like, <laughs> you guys are doing this on purpose. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Texas completely shit themselves against Iowa State. I mean, that that overtime win's gonna age for they're gonna they're gonna talk about even Oklahoma's wins being shitty because if there are no losses, what are they gonna do? I mean, yeah, the Big 12 is just is just doing everything they can to sabotage. You know what though? Oklahoma's leaving. Why would you not do that? Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. That's incredible. Oh my <laughs> god. Really, oh my god. They're playing their what? best games against Oklahoma, and then they're all losing as many games <laughs> as they all can just themselves. Around going four and four against each other. Oh, that's incredible! I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about all the other things that are conspiring. Oklahoma beat what you know what advanced statistics say is a very good Nebraska team at home in non-conference. And and Nebraska's, yeah, Nebraska's in on the end. Hell yeah! They got they still got. Uh, all their old conference mates still have Nebraska's number saved. They added them to the group chat. Hey, we're going to make sure Oklahoma doesn't ha has the worst resume of any possible contender. Everybody flail around all year. Oh, that's great. I love it. Um, only other game out there, again, Ole Miss continues to be appointment viewing, even though they've had a couple losses now. Uh, they play Texas A&M in the why are you both ranked? Oh, I get it. You're in the SEC game of the week. And with Texas A&M, I understand that because beating Alabama guarantees that you're ranked unless you get to five or six losses. So that's how that went. Um, that was all that I identified. Did anything else on the schedule catch your eye, Steve? Did it now? Well, of course, there's there's a, the 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 midweek matching games always catch my eye. Um, Hopefully, do I? Am I mistaken or? I feel like they use. There are six midweek games. I assume it caused scheduling problems if you only have part of a conference playing midweek like this. But I feel as though Maction used to be like one game a week, right? And now it's just the whole conference does it. Not entirely sure, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's. <laughs> oh my god! Now this would have been quite incredible if trends had continued. Say, if Clemson had continued walking the ACC and been the national title contender they were, but you caught it, Clemson. <laughs> that's still disgusting yeah i did see that I've, i'm considering i don't even know who clemson's running back is but i'm considering looking him up for james c purposes i mean there'll be better matchups i mean watch clemson still find a way to score 17 points that's just kind of been their thing this year 
Boy, Charlotte at Louisiana Tech, those are those are two teams that just really like high scoring games. And Charlotte has the worst one of the worst defenses in the country. Louisiana Tech gets into 53, 55 games with everybody, even if they don't have an offense. I already have no idea which teams are in CUSA or the Sun Belt, and I'm about to have considerably less of an idea thanks to all this realignment. Yeah, well, USC would have had a second opportunity to hire to fire Clay Helton if they hadn't already, because they go to Cal. Uh, I don't know that there's anything else particularly transit of lost Arizona would would not be good news though (laughs) well and of course there's a uh, there's a a, a team that like I said just completely has melted down uh, lost four in a row has Texas and they play a Kansas team that's uh, been able to do a little more on offense than you might think you have your ear to the ground on an inside guy with Texas. Are they are they talking about Sarkeesian yet? <laughs> oh my, I haven't actually even asked. I mean, so I'm look, curious. You had a 55-48 game to OU, and that's heartbreaking. Like, <clears throat> and then I you had like the window every year, every new Texas coach has a shorter window than the guy before him. Yeah. Then you had a one-score loss to Oak State, you know, and they were they were like number 12 or whatever. They were, they were ranked, and that was disappointing. And then you lost about the same score to Baylor, who was also ranked but a little lower. And then you went to Iowa State and lost 30-7. to seven. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that Kansas game looms large for the Longhorns. Yeah, and I think I saw B. John Robinson's questionable play because, I mean – I'll be honest, for JMC purposes, I'm always keeping an eye on whoever's Kansas playing, is playing, but they've, I mean, they're, I don't think they're one of the five worst defenses in college football anymore. So I suppose I need to update my approach there. And uh, Washington State is going to go to Oregon and almost win, aren't they? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Oregon's going to win by one score and uh, probably move up for it. But, the problem is the only thing keeping Oregon out of the top three right now is that they don't currently have a loss to Bama. Well, I'm going to evaluate teams they don't have any good bosses. Your source it's for only the bad losses. Apparently pretty well. Tackle Empire.